Welcome, everyone, to the AI in Business podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest on the program is Amaresh Tripathi, Senior Vice President and Global Business Leader at Genpact. Genpact is an American professional services firm that employs over 100,000 people in over 30 countries. He leads a team of 15,000 analytics experts covering data engineering, data insights, AI, and machine learning. Today's program is the first in a multi-episode series focusing on winning executive buy-in for AI projects. Stay tuned for other guests in this series, including Dorothy Lee, Chief Tech Officer at Conway, Brett Greenstein of PricewaterhouseCooper, and Zohar Bronfman of Pecan AI. Amaresh joins Emerge CEO and Head of Research Daniel Vigella on today's program to talk about the importance of fluency in business and data among enterprise leadership. Later, he offers a framework for cooperatively assessing an organization's capacity for innovation and scale. Without further ado, here's their conversation. So Amaresh, glad to have you back with us here on the program. Today, we're talking about the topic of winning executive buy-in for AI initiatives. There's so many ways for this to go wrong. There's maybe <laughs> less ways for it to go right. I'd love to get your thoughts. What makes this challenging? You, know, you work with a lot of giant enterprises with Genpak. Yeah. What makes this a hurdle? <laughs> People. <laughs> yes. All right. That's the shortest answer. The shortest one-word answer we've ever gotten in this series is people. So, no, but frankly, I think it's people on both sides. It's people who are receiving and people who are conveying it. Because to be to be very candid, no business executive wakes up and thinks about if you are running a supply chain operation or if you are like running if you're you're running a sales force, you don't think about okay, what do I do with AI today, right? I mean that's not no, how you no, think no, about that's work, not right? it's not your priority list. <laughs> and, yes. and the person who is kind of now most likely having the conversation with that person, he's they are actually thinking about AI will change your world. Yes. And, and, and that's that's to be honest that that's that's the fundamental people and communication disconnect that actually does exist, mm. right? And, and and which is why and and I mean, my, my one of my favorite saying is the world is short of bilinguals, people who can who can understand the context of the business and who can understand AI together, and and that is what kind of creates a lot of confusion, a lot of challenge. That's the at the root of it. That's what I think the issue is. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. got it. Yeah, the world is short of bilinguals, and that is, you know, it's it, it's a simplification, but probably an apt one. The buyer, they're just thinking problems all day. Yes. A lot of the time, the vendor, the catalyst, they're really excited about AI. Sometimes, or the CIO. I mean, yeah. oh, yeah, sure, sure, whatever, yep, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the more technical person is more yeah. excited about technical. So it sounds like okay, you're you're teeing up what makes this hard by the fact that the world is short of bilinguals. We're not speaking the same language. When it comes to approaching this, well, let's say I am a CIO or, or someone working under the CIO or the chief data officer. I know I'm going to have to go to the COO or the CEO or maybe the head of fraud or head of customer service. And there's initiatives that I believe would be really valuable. There's initiatives I think would would be important for keeping up with our competition. And I don't want to scare this person away, but but I, I would like to open up the conversation and roll something forward. A lot of people inside the enterprise really want to do this. A lot of vendors outside obviously want to. How would you advise to kind of get the process started? How do you like to think about opening up a C-suite convo in a way that actually will get traction? I think the three dimensions in my mind, which I've always found very useful, is 
every organization is somewhere along or there's a there's a desire of what i would call innovation and scale think about those those two axes okay. right how much innovation you want and how much scale you want like how many kind of do it how fast that's kind of the, the the thing and and what that actually tells you like the appetite at 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 one level that's number one and the second is what's the time frame that you would want it in right if there is a lot of shareholder pressure right you need quarterly numbers in like next four quarters you the company will think differently versus they are saying listen we are going to build like a cure for cancer or we are going to go and do something much bigger it's a different kind of capability that i need that i need to invent I mean, two spectrums around it but understanding the time frame that the organization o- overall explicitly or implicitly is working on is actually a very critical element right because once you understand that innovation scale innovation and and scale dynamic and then the the time frame that they are working on dynamic essentially what i call you start working with a silicon carbon trade off right all the work is getting done what is needs to be done but if i want listen i want to be i'm like completely high on innovation and i have like a long period of time i would architect that solution differently i would think about investments differently and i can probably sell that idea in, into it differently right but if i have very little time and 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 i have a lot of like value to go and get so my innovation has to be a lot long i would think about it in a very different way i'll put a lot of people to solve for the same problem but i think it's it's having a candid conversation around what is the box that we are playing in yeah. is normally the missing part in most of these conversations while we start with either technical thing or as a capability thing but it's actually not it's actually an ROI discussion with these three dimensions i really really like where we're going right now. So, I like ways of thinking. So, frames of thinking. One of the reasons we have so many different guests on is because different folks in big consultancy, startups, enterprise, they're all going to have different approaches for how they solve problems. This is a really interesting way of thinking about things. You're right. It is ultimately an ROI conversation and it's not just ROI tomorrow. It's wow. it's 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 also ROI long term. But yeah. you're you're setting this up. I'm actually I'm probably I'm like, man, I should email this fella and get get a graphic for this thing after the fact because I think this is a good way of thinking. So, I'm imagining it in my mind I want to make sure my listeners can do the same. You had said on one axis is innovation slash kind of scale. Is that two axes? So, Those are two axes. Okay, innovation, innovation scale and, and then scale. there's time is another dimension here though. Time is another dimension. So basically in my mind those are two broad metrics. One is an innovation scale trade-off, right? Yep. Think about that xy axis, yep. right? There's some organizations which absolutely want which value innovative capabilities a lot more and then some some category, some organizations value listen we need it something simple but working and at scale then can deliver value and repeatability and so basically it's the risk tolerance at some point right that's what you are trying to understand that and then the second is what is what time how much time do we have to kind of get anything done in a reasonable way what is the what is the rhythm of the company are we talking about a couple of years are we couple of talking about a couple of quarters or are we talking about a decade companies are operating in those three things in different industries with with that kind of mindset now take those two things together and then you have at least a starting point for how would you what would you go you could do this exactly the same things but in very different ways yeah okay so this is this is great that we will likely find some way to get a picture out of this uh, amrash because i'm <laughs> i'm liking where you're going and i think this is a smart way to begin the convo because yes you know a lot of the time the way we'll think about it at emerge is what well, we've got 
some near-term ROI, but ultimately we shouldn't be thinking about installing AI for ROI that's going to happen next week. We should be kind of considering what the long-term is. But sometimes you join a conversation with that whole problem and conversation does not have long-term as part of the picture. Sorry, it's just the reality. The reality is this is two quarters. It's this thing. Nobody here is talking about the farther. This is like an emergency thing. We're not going to be building some undergirding infra, at least not now. So don't start that convo now. So what you're saying is you need to enter the conversation where it's happening. Yes. Okay. Where it is happening and where, where is this thing? I mean, a great example was COVID. Think about COVID, right? <laughs> right? I mean, suddenly everyone became cross-functional and created these crisis management teams, right? And some of those crisis management teams were doing modeling for, I mean, we were doing for a lot of our clients, basically COVID modeling for where it is impacting and which, which plants and manufacturing plants it will impact, what's the likelihood of models very sophisticated modeling, but with their own data. Basically, it was think about what John Hopkins was doing, and you take all the data and take your, your your footprint and you start analysis because you wanted to understand. It was like quick and dirty. It was probably not to be repeated there, but they wanted to get a sense of it. So that was the time frame. That is the AI. What you're going to go and drive there with, with some lot of limitation, but whatever you're going to drive that. And in some other cases, we are thinking of right now for the same clients who are thinking about, listen, supply chain resiliency and carbon footprints that they need to go and manage. They are thinking about capabilities in a few years' time because they know they need to handle it again and again over a period of time. And that allows you to start thinking about architectures differently, choices differently. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And, and so... So it sounds like if we go back to that hypothetical example I gave you of I am a, you know, I, I work under the CIO somewhere. I'm looking at, you know, what we're doing with fraud. And yeah. I realize how backward some of it is. I realize the opportunity we have. It sounds like while I could go in with where I think the opportunity is, there's also part of going in, seeing who's leading that department and seeing what are their pressing priorities right now. Yeah. Because it almost sounds like maybe if, if again, to your point, if they're in a mode where they're thinking already about some longer term transformation projects and they have the time and kind of the their priority streams are focused there, maybe now is kind of a time where naturally I should be blending that in and saying, how can we plan for that long term build that capability? But if they're putting out a fire, maybe I need to gauge the time at which that conversation would be ready. Is, is there anything you would add to that? I'm kind of I trying to one more thing. There is a third model. Because most of the times, by the way, if you go into those conversations, it is always the two-quarter conversation and never a two-year conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's 90% of the conversation that they say how you're going to make an impact. And, and I think it's about, listen, while we are putting out fires, can we do a few things? to start putting in the foundation that's kind of the other and that's 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 also the little bit about of the art of the whole thing because see fundamentally the less time you have with the basic rule of thumb i do it's not always correct but the less time you have the more carbon or more bodies you're going to throw at a problem right you're going to brute force it and the more time you have the the less the, you're going to put in more silicon or kind of more ai more automation of some sort you're going to put into that and and in some cases or can you do it in chunks can you do it in while you're doing fi like firefighting can you do some of that very hard but you can do it but fundamentally just understanding what my, my point is if we fundamentally understand where things are and how and what is the return what is the time frame you want to get a return in then 10-year npv case is very different than a five-year npv case than a very different than three-year npv case exactly same technology will give you very different numbers at a very different scale you just need to understand the trade-off between carbon and silicon is a very is a very very fun way of thinking about this and also the commonality of really squished timelines 
means bodies are getting thrown. Really long timelines mean digital foundation gets to be laid. You know, technology foundation gets to be laid. Those are, you know, really good rules of thumb. You brought up an excellent point, which I don't think anybody who's operating the enterprise could argue with in a, in a legacy environment. You know, every conversation you just jump in on randomly is going to be two quarter, not two years. And, and so there is also some tact if we want to convey, you know, if, if I'm, again, I, I work under the CIO and I know for a fact what's happening with our fraud trends. I do not feel good about it. I know what our competitors are up to. I have a sense of where technology is headed. And I really believe if we want to be in a good position to win, this has to be a priority for us now. Sometimes I'll have to take a department that's in a mode of all near term, all bodies, or maybe old school tech, and bend them a little bit, open up the possibility of, guys, can we start to lay a new foundation? What does it look like to do that? You mentioned one little bit of it, which was, hey, while we're fighting the fire, can we also be laying a foundation to, so we're fighting less fires moving forward? That's one thing, but what would you add to that? You know, we need to step into a very near-term pace and and pull people up just a bit to see that value long-term. How do we do that? You have to test it. I mean, you basically start setting up, okay, my release one, my version one, okay? This is what it will look like, right? And push it a little bit, what the version one looks like. If the version one looks okay, will this be enough? Okay, you all, you this new, you need this report and these fraud transactions and everything. You know what? People can actually tell you which one the exports can kill you, and you, this is how we will do it. Will that be enough? Oh, by the way, you would you need it kind of hitting your mobile phones and a text message when this thing happens? What do you would want, right? And then you say okay, but, but you have to talk in real terms at that point in time, not not in like. And they say no, we would have it. So can you wait a month for that? Okay, we can wait a month for that. So th- you basically think about defining that version one and, and pushing the boundaries. And then you realize, okay, they can't wait for a month for a text message, this thing, which means I can't put this kind of foundation. Then you say, okay, this is what the version one will look like. I think it's then it goes down to a little bit more into detail, but that again goes back to the bilingual talent, right? People who have to understand what really matters. Because if you go, most of the folks you go, people are very good at knowing what they want. They're very bad at expressing what they want. So if you, if, you, if, you, if you go to them and say, give me your requirements, they, it will come up something else. So just understanding that bilingual talent and having that conversation and shaping that version one becomes very, very key. And that's how you push the boundaries. Okay, got it, got it. So I'm going to try to reiterate this to make sure I'm getting it right for the listeners. Because again, I, I think I'm going to try to come up with some sort of visual for some of these great analogies here today, Amarash. But the idea is that we enter the conversation, they're focused on the near term. We could just totally go along with them and say, okay, I'll throw a lot of bodies on it with you. Or we could say, hey, well, okay, I, I see we've got these problems. What ideally would we want to happen when this happens? And how do yes. you want to see this notified? And so we actually get them to articulate without saying, what are your requirements? Because like you yes. said, that's not going to get it done. We have to extract them. And then once we lay them on the table, some of that stuff might be more than bodies. It might actually be starting to build a foundation. So now, even though they're in firefighting mode, we can start to lay a foundation based on their own priorities. Own priorities. Uh, as and, and then you can push the timeline and understand the relative things. I mean, modern consulting term, design thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, I, we were going to have to come around to modern consulting terms at some point in this conversation. So we might as well have ended on it. But this is, this is a, a, a great strata for thinking. So we, what we covered today for the folks who are listening in is – an approach to thinking about how to enter a conversation and get a read for where leadership is thinking, time horizon-wise, innovation-wise versus scale, and then how we might be able to inch that conversation along to be a little bit more long-term. Any other closing notes here, kind of best practices for 
winning that buy-in, really making that value clear to leadership for AI. Anything else you want to say, Amaray? The other you? thing is, I mean, this is just this, this is just an observation, and I think human nature. The more external relevance you have, the easier it is for you to, to be internally relevant, right? Across the board, and this is for all the AI leaders and technology leaders that are there. I mean, yeah, you could be fantastic, but the most external, it, it just it just works in that way because it means it's it's kind of validated, and, and that's why we have consultants. To be honest, that's kind of that's the play role we play at many times. So just thinking about getting external relevance in the market that actually sometimes helps you along in the internal relevance. Well, th- thanks for thanks for also tuning in the audience. The importance of market research. I could always use a guest that pumps up what we do. No, but yeah, there's a lot of elements to external relevance, just to be clear. And I want to make sure I'm on the same wavelength as you. That could be, let's get a consultancy or vendor that's done this many times who can tell us the ropes. That might be, let's look at the real data in our industry. Let's look at our peers. Let's get some research on where the hell this technology is going and see if this is the right decision. It could be, let's look at what, you know, maybe our, our, top five competitors are up to in terms of their spend or something. So external relevance seems like it could come from many sources. Or the other thing it could come from, you are yourself speaking at conferences. You are relevant in the industry. You have your own brand. But you know what? Here's a brand where others also trust we should listen to him or her. That also is important. Got it. it. It's all of that. Yeah, yeah. So if you, yeah, the more you build your brand in the world, the more you also can build your brand within the company and have some, some sway in that regard. Certainly many people tuned in right now who are looking to advance their career. That's why they're tuned in on this podcast. So everybody can use a little bit of that as well. Amaresh, I know that's all we had for time for this episode. I really enjoyed this one. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you so much, Dad. A lot of fun. Wrapping up today's episode, I just want to make one more quick plug for the other episodes in the series. They'll be including Dorothy Lee, Chief Tech Officer at Convoy, Brett Greenstein of PricewaterhouseCooper, and Zohar Bronfman, CEO of Pecan AI. All of these episodes, much like today, will be focusing on how to win executive buy-in for AI projects in different contexts. Obviously, Dorothy providing the logistics context, Brett Greenstein with financial services, and Zohar Bronfman from the vantage point of marketing. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI in Business podcast.